Welcome to Box to Box Football. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Box to Box Football Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Kovacs, riding solo on this episode as Mike, JJ, Sean, and Kyle all out on assignment. And we have a good show for you today as we recap round of 32 Carabao Cup and preview match week seven. Yes, already match week seven in the English Premier League. So in the Carabao Cup this week, we had Manchester City getting knocked out by Newcastle in what was one of the more shocking results of the tournament so far. Now, for Manchester City, for Pep Guardiola's side, a very heavily rotated side. You had Ederson Walker, Ruben Diaz, Bernardo Silva, Foden, Rodri, of course, because of the red card, and Erling Holland all not starting in this one. And it really showed as Newcastle had a strong performance, one of their better performances of the season a really a start to finish performance by the Newcastle squad and a big result for them. Now for Manchester city, this is unlike them to fall out of the Carabao cup this early, right? Now this is a team that usually advances far into Carabao cup. Pep Guardiola really invests a lot into getting far in these tournaments, the FA cup and the Carabao cup. So to see Manchester city lose this early in the round of 32, definitely more surprising than anything. Um, Now, do I think it's a bad sign for Manchester City? I don't think so. I think we saw, again, a a squad that's really heavily rotated. They're going to put all their eggs into the Premier League and in the Champions League as well, as well as some in the FA Cup when that begins later on. It just wasn't really one of the classic Manchester City performances, though. And it really shows how much they do rely on on Erling Holland to score them goals and to really get them going at times. Now Holland has eight goals on the season in the Premier League. So you see what impact he has and we know how great he is. I guess the question I've seen proposed around social media and such, does Manchester City rely on Erling Holland too much? And I don't think so, right? I think it's a well-rounded squad. It's a squad that can get goals in other places. But at the same time, when you have a guy like Holland scoring as many goals as he does, it does raise the question sometimes, right? Like, okay, if he gets hurt at some point during the season, where does that leave Manchester City? Especially a squad where you don't have Kevin De Bruyne healthy right now. You don't have Mateo Kovic healthy right now. So it's a little concerning uh, from that perspective of where they're going to get goals. But listen, Holland's healthy. He didn't play this match because of rest. You, You want him to be fresh for Premier League and Champions League, which starts up again this coming week. So I don't think it's too big of a concern. Um, it's more just a surprise for me. Um, and obviously not having Rodri as well in this one. He obviously misses the next three matches because of the red card that he got last week. So you don't have those two guys, Rodri and Holland, play. You don't have De Bruyne. As good as Man City is and as deep as they are of a, of a squad, they are a squad that can really go really two squads deep at, at some points. You can argue they are a team that can have two sides of 11 a side of 11 that can win the premier league and a side of 11 that can finish mid table that's how deep they are but at the same time if you're kind of rotating in and out like pep did for this one you're not going to get the results that you expect and it, it kind of showed uh, how they how they performed in this one only 10 shots two on target they give up the 53rd minute goal from Ishak. props to newcastle they played really well they deserve this one 
This was one that they were obviously looking forward to after that loss to Manchester City in league play in match week number two. It's something where I think this could get Newcastle started in the right direction. They didn't have the the strongest start to the season, but you beat Sheffield last week 8-0 and then beat Manchester City in the Carabao Cup. That kind of sets up something where Newcastle can maybe, you would imagine, go on a bit of a run here and get back to where they want to be, which is competing for a top four spot, trying to get out of that group of death in the Champions League. And if you're a Newcastle supporter, you want to see these strides made after what was a rocky start. And I do think that it could be a sign of good things to come uh, for Newcastle. Now, looking ahead to Newcastle's upcoming matches, they do have Burnley at home this week. Then they travel to West Ham. They uh, host Crystal Palace in match week nine. They go to Wolves. They host Arsenal. So they have a good mix of matches, a few opponents that they are expected to beat, and they have a few opponents as well that could give them a bit of a hard time. So I I wouldn't be too hard on Manchester City for this one, but for Newcastle, I think it's a good sign of things to come. Now looking at the next match that I want to look at from the round of 32 in the Carabao Cup, you had Chelsea. Chelsea getting a nice result. They beat Brighton 1-0 on a 50-minute goal from Nicholas Jackson. It is actually their first and only goal of the whole month of September. So they really got the monkey off their back, scoring a goal finally as Nicholas Jackson got his. And from Riccio Pochettino, I think this is very important. It's not a league win, which they're going to need to start racking up. But at the same time, they did need this win in the worst way. And they get it against a Brighton squad who has had a really strong start to their campaign. So for Chelsea to get this win, it puts them, kind of like Newcastle, they're in two different levels, of course. But it kind of puts them in the right direction. Crucial win. They get Fulham. They're at Fulham this week then at Burnley, and then they're home against Arsenal, home against Brentford, at Tottenham, and home against City, and then at Newcastle. So a kind of a rough stretch over these next five or six matches for Chelsea. And it's really going to, as we discussed on our last episode, it's really going to be important for Pochettino to get everything turned around because if he doesn't, and this schedule is getting very tough, if he doesn't do that, he could very well be sacked. So for Chelsea to get that win to advance to the round of 16, a good thing for them. Manchester United 3, Crystal Palace nil. a preview of what we will see in the Premier League this weekend. Uh, United getting three goals from Garinacho in the 21st minute, Casemiro in the 27th, and Anthony Martial in the 55th minute. I liked what I saw from United in this one. They got goals, which they had been struggling to do of late. They got a win, um, and they did so without having to play Bruno Fernandez or Marcus Rashford. So to get those goals, that's definitely a good thing. And if you don't have to waste your big talent on these Carabao Cup matches, kind of like Manchester City was trying to do, if you're able to advance without using your key players, that's always a great thing. Now, we saw the debut at least starting uh, from Sofian Amrabat, and he actually played left back. So the guy who was brought in to be a midfielder from Fiorentina and a guy who really had a, a strong World Cup presence from Morocco, a guy who's been on uh, the transfer radar for many clubs in the Premier League, Manchester United get their man, get a very good defensive-minded midfielder, and he actually had to play left back which I found very interesting. And he looked very good in doing so. They kind of played in a certain way where he would push up and dip into that midfield alongside Casemiro. And then you had Mason Mount pushing up more as a forward. And it kind of allowed Manchester United to put a lot of pressure on the back four of Crystal Palace. And it showed. And that's why you got the goals you got, the three goals, a bunch of shots on target, 
and just a really all-around good game for United, who, like Chelsea, have to turn it around, have to get everything turned in the right direction, and getting a Carabao Cup win for Ten Hag's squad, I think that was very crucial as well. Arsenal won, Brentford nil, a eighth-minute goal from Reese Nelson, so the Gunners advance. Liverpool 3, Leicester City 1. Liverpool actually conceded first in this one. Shocking, they've done that pretty much all season as Casey McAteer got a goal in the third minute. Liverpool was down 1-0 at halftime, came back in the second half. Goals from Cody Gakbo in the 48th minute, uh, Dominic Soboslai in the 70th, and Diego Jota in the 89th. A very heavily rotated side for Liverpool. They only played, I believe, probably what you would consider one or two starters. They, they pretty much played all all backups, at least uh, through the first two-thirds, three-fourths of this game until they got into the later stages where they brought on guys uh, like Sobo Sly. A good performance. Uh, I, I I wasn't too mad about that. I think as I discussed on the last episode, if you listen, if they would have lost, I would not have been devastated. I like to see as many of these wins as possible, whether it's uh, league play, Champions League, Europa League. FA Cup, Carabao Cup, but it was nice to see some of the backups get rotated in, get some of the bigger guns some rest, and still get a, a victory over a Leicester squad who's been uh, very good in, in the championship so far this year as they currently are up top the uh, championship table. Everton, a bit of a shocking surprise. They beat Aston Villa 2-1. to one. Goals from James Gardner in the 15th and Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the 50th. And Villa did score one goal. They got a goal from... Kamara in the uh, 83rd. So for a Villa side who started really poorly to start the season, kind of turned it around a bit in league action. And of course they have their play in Europe as well uh, to get booted out of the Cabo Cup was, was a bit shocking, but again, it, they, they also rotated a bit and Everton look, Everton has looked a little better these last few matches. So that's a good sign for them. And just to run through the other matches of the round of 32. Middlesbrough beat Bradford City 2-0. Exeter City 1-0 over Lewintown. So Lewintown struggles continue even against some weaker sides like Exeter City. Has not been good. Started a campaign for Lewintown in their first time in the Premier League. Ipswich Town, a 3-2 victory over Wolves. Ipswich Town, as we discussed on the previous episode, a very strong side in the championship, a side that we very well could see up in the Premier League next year. They get a 3-2 win over Wolves. Mansfield Town and Petersboro United, they draw 2-2. Mansfield wins 3-1 on penalties. Port Vale, a 2-1 win over Sutton United. Burnley, 4-0 over Salford City. Blackburn Rovers, 5-2 over Cardiff. Bournemouth, 2-0 over Stoke. Fulham, 2-1 over Norwich. West Ham, 1-0 over Lincoln City. And that, of course, sets up the round of 16, which is slated to start at the end of October. And those matchups will be Liverpool traveling to Bournemouth, Blackburn traveling to Chelsea, Everton hosting Burnley, Middlesbrough traveling to Exeter City, Ipswich Town hosting Fulham, Manchester United hosting Newcastle. So that obviously will be a very fun matchup. Mansfield hosting Port Vale and West Ham hosting Arsenal. So that's another pretty juicy one, in my opinion. Arsenal taking on their London counterparts in West Ham. And so this could definitely be a tournament that, looking at the matchups, could really set up nicely uh, for a few different teams. Obviously, Man United and Newcastle. That'll be a very highly contested battle. Arsenal and West Ham as well. You know, teams like Chelsea, Liverpool, you know, they can get a little bit easier opponents. So their road to the final of this at least is at the moment is a little easier uh, than you would 
expect from a, a United or Newcastle who have to battle each other in the round of 16. Two teams that could easily be in the final, right? So that's going to be very interesting to see how that pans out. Now, looking ahead, we have a lot of good matches this week in the Premier League. Already match week number seven. And the match, of course, that, that most people are going to be looking at is Tottenham hosting Liverpool in that 1230 Eastern time window on Saturday. Now, Spurs have just one win in their last 21 versus Liverpool in league play. They have a few draws, but a lot of losses in there as well. Liverpool have gone 17 straight games unbeaten and have 16 out of 18 points to start the season along with their victories in the Carabao Cup and Europa League as well. So they've been in, in really good form, especially since that draw to Chelsea to lead off the season. Uh, Spurs coming off a draw at Arsenal. They have 14 points out of a possible 18th, and they sit in fourth in the debut season for and Pastacoglu. And they've really looked good. They've looked great. I've been very impressed by Spurs. I thought they'd be a team that finished 7th, 8th, ninth in the league this year. And they're a team that, at least right now, looks like they could finish 2nd, 3rd, 4th. They could easily be in one of those Champions League slots. Now, I think schematically in this one, I think Son is a guy who could give Liverpool lots of issues. He's, in the past, given Liverpool tons of issues now that he was playing more on the left side obviously in years past with Harry Kane manning that middle position now he's kind of playing that more middle position you would expect Van Dyke and Konate to be up to the test and be able to, to have a good performance against Son but at the same time I still a hunch I have is that he will score at least a goal and that he will give the Liverpool back line some issues now it's a Liverpool back line that we'll see how they come out you expect to see Van Dyke and Kanate be those two center backs in the middle you expect Andy Robertson to be on that left side the right side is the one that is in question Trent Alexander-Arnold has been out the last few matches with a leg injury he's been back to first team training so Will we see Jurgen Klopp go right to Trent Alexander-Arnold and that right-back position or stick with Joe Gomez, who has played the last few matches and actually has looked pretty good? Uh, he's actually looked the healthiest he's looked in about two or three years. And remember, Gomez was a guy that was a key part of that team that won the Premier League in 2020. He was the center back next to Van Dyke. So he's someone who Klopp has trusted in the past. He's someone who has proven that on his best day, he's quite good. And for me... The way he's looked to start the season, I've been thoroughly impressed. I think he could keep that position at right back, at least for the time being, until Trent Alexander-Arnold is fit. And even when Trent Alexander-Arnold is fit, maybe you put him in the midfield. Maybe you put him as the number six and move up Alexis McAllister to play more of an advanced role. I think that's somewhere that Klopp could go. He actually experimented with that a bit in one or two preseason friendlies this season. So... It's going to be interesting to see how Liverpool end up on, on that right side of the fence. I do think this game will be heavily contested. I think there will be goals. Both sides like to play with a, you know, a fearless pace. They're not afraid to give up goals. They're not afraid to play from behind. Liverpool's proven that this year. They've come from behind numerous times. So I do expect goals early, goals often, maybe something 3-2, 2-2. Gun to my head, I would say Liverpool wins this one. I think they've been in incredible form despite this one being at Tottenham. I think they can come away with three points, but either way, it would not shock me if that's not the case. But again, like I mentioned, Liverpool does play pretty well against Tottenham in years past, but obviously this is the first time playing them with Ange Postacoglu leading the way. Another good match this weekend, we have Brighton and Villa battling it out. That is actually the 7.30 a.m. Eastern time game 
on Saturday, unlike last week where they stuck all the, the big games Sunday, Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. This is back to the traditional great game at 1230 on Saturday, great game at 730 on Saturday. So they kind of spread out the wealth a little bit. Now, like we mentioned, Brian got knocked out of the Carabao Cup, but they do sit in third place in the league with 15 points and their only loss coming to West Ham. Villa, on the other hand, a rocky start, as we mentioned, but they've battled their way back up. They're already back up all the way to sixth place, so they are in a Europa spot already. They have 12 points. They've won four of their last five matches with that lone loss to Liverpool in the middle. To me, it's been for Villa. They came into the season with high expectations. We mentioned those uh, throughout previous episodes of the podcast. They had a few injuries that have really, for at least for the start of the season, kind of set them back. You lose a guy like Tyrone Mings, who maybe isn't the greatest center back in the world, but at the same time, he was previously uh, the captain of this team, a guy who was kind of a mainstay there at center back. So to lose him in that first game of the season, that obviously really hurt them. Emiliano Buendia, one of their better attackers, to lose him right before the season start, that was tough. That was a tough pill to swallow. I know they did bring in Zanolo. It's not the same though, right? Like you lose a guy like Buendia, you're going to lose goals. You're going to lose talent. You are counting on him to have some big goals, especially when all these... These games start, uh, these games in Europe start, you were expecting to have him. So to have him go down as early as he did, that was tough for them. And they brought in a lot of new guys. They brought in, like I mentioned, Zanolo. They brought in Leon Bailey uh, for that attack. They brought in Yuri Tielemans, the former Leicester City midfielder. They brought in Pal Torres at center back. So for Umay Emery, it really was, in my opinion, two things. It was getting the squad kind of used to each other while dealing with those injuries, which made it even more complicated. And it was also a very tough start to the season. It's not like they lost and dropped points against garbage teams. They lost 5-1 to Newcastle at Newcastle the first week of the year. Newcastle's, as we've seen, I mean, they're in Champions League. They're a very good squad. They lost 3-0 to Liverpool in match day four. Liverpool's, right now, they're second in the league. They're one of the, the better clubs in uh in all of europe so they have two losses but they've won their other four matches so they've rebounded nicely and for unai emery just a really good job turning this thing around not that they were in deep trouble but i think you know with all the changes they had to make we might have been a a little ahead of ourselves where we projected aston villa to be this season now for brighton great start to their season 15 points out of 18 they sit in third they've scored 18 goals they've given up eight they have a 10 goal differential they are just one of those just fantastic fantastic stories and it just seems like it doesn't matter who they plug in they are still able to get the results that they look for. I know they got knocked out of the Carabao Cup this week, but at least in league play, and we're talking about Premier League play here, they've looked very good. And for them to look good, as good as they have, I think that run continues. And it's going to be it's going to be a highly contested one. I you, you see Ferguson, I think he's going to be healthy, fit, ready to go. Matomo is a fantastic player. And Stupinian on that left side with Matomo, he's been really good. He captained them in their Carabao Cup match. They do have a couple injuries in the midfield, but we'll see what they're able to do. Like I said, with Deserbi in charge, I, I don't really see it being an issue. I do think they'll be able to kind of rebound, and I think this will be a good game. I think they go to Villa. I think they get points. I think they at least get a draw, but I, I would definitely fancy uh, Brighton to win this match. Looking at other matches on Saturday, you have Arsenal visiting Bournemouth. Now, Arsenal obviously coming off that draw against Tottenham in the North London Derby, and of course that win against Brentford in the Carabao Cup this week. And for Arsenal, 
it maybe hasn't been the most sexy start to the season. 14 points out of a possible 18. Uh, they sit at fifth place, only 11 goals. So you're not really getting that same output that you would really hope if you're Arsenal, if you're Mikel Arteta's squad. They did have two goals against Tottenham, but they also gave up two goals. This is a good chance for them to travel to Bournemouth and get an easy three points. They dropped points against Fulham early this year. Arsenal, that is, wasn't the most impressive performance. I think they've learned from that. I think they're able to, they'll be able to kind of go out, go to Bournemouth and get those points. Now, they do have a few injury concerns. I know Declan Rice did leave that that match last week uh, with a bit of a knock. Marinelli is still a bit of a doubt on that left side in the attack, but they do have Zinchenko now, who is, you know, pretty healthy. I, I think you're going to see him at left back through much of the uh, the rest of the season as long as he's healthy. And David Raya looks like he is going to be that that first-team goalkeeper. He's going to be the goalkeeper outside of Carabao Cup, outside of FA Cup matches. Uh, when they're playing the Champions League matches and they're playing Premier League matches, you're going to see David Raya play. He looks pretty good against Tottenham, right? He, he had some nice saves. Uh, obviously, they gave up two goals. I don't really think it was his fault, those goals. Um, so I think Raya stabilizing that goalie position. Zinchenko... Saliba, Gabriel, White, you know, those are probably going to be your four in the back most of the time. They have a few injury concerns, but I, I I don't think it'll be enough for them to drop points against Bournemouth. Manchester City, they travel to take on Wolves, and it's going to be, if we're being honest, it's going to be a tough one for Wolves. You know Manchester City's not going to be happy after dropping out of the Carabao Cup, whether they play their best players or not. They're going to be motivated and they just don't they just don't lose against Wolves. Wolves have now lost their last six matchups against Manchester City, and they've done it by an aggregate score of 19 to 3. So Pep Guardiola, his side always is ready for Wolves. Wolves can give some of these bigger squads a, a bit of a problem. They they give Manchester United a problem at times. They give Liverpool problems at times. But against Manchester City, that just isn't the case. And even if Manchester City have a few injuries they obviously don't have Rodri which is going to impact them going forward I I still think this is going to be pretty pretty easy for Pep Guardiola you'll probably get a few goals from Holland you'll get a few goals from other people this should be an easy 3-0 4-0 4-1 victory for City now you have West Ham they take on Sheffield they host Sheffield also in that Saturday 10 a.m eastern time window Uh, West Ham up to seventh in the table they have 10 points have scored 11 goals. Meanwhile, Sheffield all the way at the bottom with their one point and minus 12 goal differential has not been pretty for Sheffield. I don't really see much changing in this one. I think West Ham, they've looked pretty good. They're going to take care of business. David Moyes' squad should be ready, and I think they will be ready uh, to get three points against Sheffield at home. Newcastle taking on Burnley. Newcastle, the home squad in this one. It's similar. Burnley, just one point on the season. At 19th, minus nine goal differential, Newcastle, nine points out of a possible 18. So they've dropped points. But again, like we talked about with Villa and Newcastle, another team that I, I feel like kind of got bit by having a really tough schedule to start. They obviously lost match week two to Manchester City, 1-0. Uh, they lost the next week to Liverpool after being up 1-0 for most of the game. They gave up those two goals late. And then they lost uh, 3-1 to Brighton. So to lose to Manchester City, Liverpool, Brighton, those might be the three best teams in the league or, you know, at the very least, three of the best five or six teams in the league. So for Newcastle, when they take on these lesser opponents and Burnley certainly 
is one of those lesser opponents. I know they won 4-0 during the week in the Carabao Cup, but Newcastle is a it's it's just is a much better competition for Burnley and it's going to be very tough for them to get points. I don't see it. I think Newcastle comes away with it easily. Manchester United hosting Crystal Palace in that rematch of the Carabao Cup match from this weekend. United at home. United sits at ninth, only ninth place. Only nine points on the season, seven goals, 10 given up. So yes, a minus three goal differential for Manchester United. But they take on a Crystal Palace side who haven't been bad. They're in 10th there. So they're right behind Manchester United uh, with eight points on the season. Only six goals scored, but only seven goals conceded. So you see, they typically don't give up a lot of goals. But again, I, I think United will start to turn the corner a bit here. They have an opponent like Crystal Palace who they should they should beat. They should beat Crystal Palace at home. I don't see that changing. I think United wins this one. Everton hosting Luton Town, also in a 10 a.m. Eastern time Saturday window. And this is a big one. We've talked about in previous episodes, when we have these teams towards the bottom of the table, these early games could be meaningful down the road. It's many months from now. It's six, seven months from now where we're going to be really dialing in on the relegation race. But this could easily be one where we look back and say, oh, wow, Luton Town gets three points. That could be the reason why they stay up. I don't think that's going to happen, but some people might think that. Now, Everton, on the other hand, they've they've looked better of late. They're up to four points. They won against Brentford this past weekend, three to one. So they have those four points. They have that nice win in the Carabao Cup during the week. For Sean Dyche's squad, it, it hasn't been too bad lately. And if they get in our three points from now and have seven points, that'll, that'll shoot them up the table just a little bit more. And they might be 12th or 13th. Uh, by the weekend's end. And if you're in that position, you got to feel pretty good if you're Sean Dyche. Obviously, I don't think it's going to be anything more than being above that relegation race for the year for Everton. But you never know. Crazier things have happened in this wonderful league. I do expect Everton to get three points. I, I don't really, I can't really see myself picking Town to get anything at more than zero points. I, I can't really picture them getting a draw unless they're playing a Sheffield, a Burnley. That's about it. I mean, even Everton is as bad as they've been. I still think Everton is a lot more talent than Luton Town. So I do think in the end, uh, that is going to be three points for Everton. Uh, moving on to Sunday, where we actually only have one matchup on Sunday, and that is Nottingham Forest taking on Brentford. Forest 12th on the year with seven points and a minus two goal differential. And I guess one of the more disappointing sides has been Brentford as they only have six points and they sit in 13th and they've given up nine goals. So you really see so far for Brentford, you know, the impact of losing David Raya at that goalie position. Look, nine goals isn't the end of the world, but it's also a lot more than they've given up in the past through six games and they just haven't looked good. And they also really haven't gotten a lot of scoring opportunities as well. Uh, you really see them missing Ivan Tony, who, of course, is on suspension until January. And he might not even play for Brentford again. He might even be sold in that January window to one of these bigger clubs. So you see with Brentford just losing those two guys, what it's meant for them. And they really they've had a really shaky start to the season. I don't think they're going to be in a, any relegation race, but at the same time, it's going to be tough for them. And they take on a Nottingham Forest side who do has a good bit of talent. You know, this could be a very contested battle. Uh, I could see this being a draw. I could also see the fact that Brentford hasn't looked very good lately going on the road, taking on Forrest. I could see Forrest winning this one. I'd be pretty surprised if Brentford got all three points. Uh, but I, I, if you put a gun in my head, I would say Nottingham Forrest takes all three. But we shall see what result comes from that on Sunday. And then the final matchup of match week number seven, we have Chelsea visiting Fulham 
and that is the Monday night game. That is Monday, the three o'clock Eastern time game this week. And for Chelsea, it's time. It's time to turn it around. Before the games get really, really hard, they've got to take three points from Fulham. They're at Fulham. Fulham in 11th, eight points on the season, but only five goals and 10 given up. So Fulham, despite having eight points, they've kind of found their way to pick and choose and get a few points, especially against Arsenal. They get that draw against Arsenal. That was kind of nice. But Fulham, a squad that if you're Chelsea and all the money you've spent on Chelsea and all you've invested into the squad, you would certainly expect to come away with a win. Chelsea, of course, 14th place, just five points, just five goals scored this season. None in the entire month of September in Premier League action. Just the one goal from Nicholas Jackson in Carabao Cup play this week. It's hard to predict Chelsea, and it's hard to predict if they're going to score goals, when they're going to score goals, where they're going to get them from. But for Chelsea, it's time. It's time for Nicholas Jackson to put the ball in the net. It's time for uh, Moldrick to to do something on that left side if he starts. Again, that's that's the other thing when predicting these games with Chelsea. You don't know who's going to play. It, it's honestly could be a combination of almost anyone. It could be Moldrick on that left side. Um, you could see Cole Palmer uh, find his way into it. You could find Connor Gallagher. I mean, you know you'll see Enzo Fernandez, who's been one of the bright spots, and just his great passing, his great playmaking. He's set up guys for goals, but in the same time, they haven't converted any. Will you see Raheem Sterling? He has not looked good. He's looked like a shelf himself. He looks like he is on that other side of the cliff as he is a little bit older. And then the defense, the defense really hasn't been an issue for Chelsea. I haven't had a problem with their defense too much. Uh, They've gotten good performances from Thiago Silva. I kind of like Axel Diasi on that right back side. He's kind of looked good at times. Levi Colwell, I know he's very young. He's had a couple of mistakes, but again, he's very young. He's one of the up and coming center backs in all of England. And then Sanchez, Robert Sanchez at goalie. He's been, he's been pretty good at as well. So, when you look at Chelsea, it's been really just the attacking side. That's where the issues have been. And Fulham, maybe this is a, a chance for them. Fulham's given up 10 goals this year. Maybe this is a chance for Chelsea to, to finally get some. I think they get at least one. Could they get three? We'll see. I would, I would, If I had to predict, I would say Chelsea gets three points in this one. But you never know, especially with, with the way that Chelsea has been playing. Now, moving on to our Around the World segment, the team I will focus on in this week's episode, uh, we're going to go to Rome. We're going to go to look at Roma. Yeah, Serie Roma, who have not gone off to a good start this season. Jose Marino squad, a team that had high hopes going into the season. They could have won Europa League last year. They had hopes of competing for the Scudetto this season. It has been a, a miserable, miserable start. And the latest was Thursday, losing on the road to Genoa 4-1. to And for Roma... It is just, it is a disaster. They sit in 16th in Syria. They only have five points in six matches played, scoring 13 goals, giving up 11, having a plus two goal differential. So you say, wow, how did they have a plus two goal differential if they only have five points through six? But that is because they won against Empoli 7-0 coming out of the international break. But in the other five games they've played, they've dropped points in every single one of those games. They started off season drawing against Salernitina. They followed that up with a 2-1 to loss to Ellis Verona. They followed that up with a 2-1 loss to Milan. Again, they got the 7-0 win over Empoli, which was much needed. Very nice. You'd think, okay, this is where they're going to turn it around. This is where they're going to start gaining some momentum in Serie A play. They draw 1-1 against Torino uh, last weekend. And then again on Thursday a 4-1 to loss against Genoa. I know a lot of Roma supporters are just not happy with the effort. They're not happy with Jose Mourinho. And, and Jose knows this. This is a disastrous start. It's 
the worst start for a Roma team. It's uh, it's a terrible start for Mourinho. They lose Tammy Abraham to that ACL injury at the end of last season. It's not like they've done nothing here. They've brought in a few guys in the transfer market. Obviously, Lukaku being the mainstay, the guy who you expected goals from. They've actually got a couple goals from him in recent matches. I think he had three straight games that he had scored a goal leading up to this one. They brought in Renato Sanchez, the midfielder, the Portuguese midfielder as well this offseason. Halsim Aror, uh, he's been in the French League for a while, making an impact. A guy who's been rumored to be on the move for for a while now. Uh, they brought in from France, Indicia, the the center back, the defender. They've brought in guys, and the expectations for this Roma squad were probably once again competing for a Champions League spot. They have not been anywhere close to the mark. So Roma will be an interesting team to keep an eye on. The the job security of Jose Mourinho could they move on? You have Conte kind of sitting out there. Could they make a move for Conte? It's a big. That's a big decision that they have to make uh, in the coming weeks, and we'll see. We'll see what it means. Uh, they obviously have Europa League matches that they'll have to play too. They're in a pretty easy group. They're kind of like in the same boat as Liverpool, where they have a, a fairly easy group, and they have some easy, you know, at least some easier opponents coming up in Syria. Frosinone coming up over the weekend. They got Cagliari the following week. Monza uh, the week after that before they take on Inter. So those next three matches are going to be key. You would have to say it has to be nine points. And if it's not nine points, then you have to really start considering uh, a change for Roma. Well, that'll do it for the latest episode of Box to Box Football. If you've put up with me for the last half hour show, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. The boys will all be back on Monday. Kyle, JJ, Mike, and Sean. In the meantime, you can leave us a five-star uh, wherever you get your podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. You could also follow the show on Twitter and X at Box to Box Football. That's Box to Box F T B A L L on Twitter X, and then on Instagram it is Box to Box Football Pod. We have new episodes every Tuesday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the weekend of Premier League action.